Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What is up? Welcome to the Los Angeles Dodgers podcast on the Believe Network. I am J.P. Hornstra of the Southern California News Group. Sean Green will be joining me shortly. We'll be talking about Walker Bueller. Sean and I spoke Monday just after it was revealed that Bueller will miss all of this season because of an unspecified elbow injury. Bueller recently had an MRI performed. Dr. Neil Elitrosh ostensibly did not like what he saw. And on August 23rd, the two of them will be in an operating room. That's all we know. Nothing we can add to that as far as that is concerned. Although Dave Roberts did say today in an interview with the MLB Network that Bueller's recovery will spill into 2023 probably not much of a surprise reading between the lines it seems as if we don't know the kind of surgery Bueller is having until Elitrosh opens up the elbow figures out exactly what's going on in there so to speculate how long Bueller might be out what the implications are of this beyond August 23rd it's probably unfair If Bueller needs a second Tommy John surgery, a revision as they call it, he will almost certainly miss the 2023 season in its entirety. So that's the pretext for that portion of the discussion. Subsequent to this news coming out, I have seen it suggested on social media that, number one, Walker Bueller should not be considered the ace of the Dodgers rotation. And that number two, separately, Julio Arias should. The concept of an ace is an interesting one. I know Andy McCullough of The Athletic writes about this every year. How many aces are there in Major League Baseball exactly? I feel like unless a team's starting rotation is just the worst, I can count on the manager and the players and the front office to simply anoint the team's most reliable starter an ace, even if that guy has, say, a 500 record and an ERA in the fours. He's our ace. He's our ace. He's our ace. Now, Julio Arias is not that bad of a pitcher. He's a very good one. But I feel a lot of the same vibes coming from the Dodgers, like someone has to fall on the title of an ace by default. I think Rias can absolutely ascend to that title in the next couple months. Talk to me in November and maybe most baseball industry folks outside the Dodgers organization will think of Julio Rias in that way. Doug McCain on Twitter pulled Julio's stats since July 21st, 2021 and where each of these things ranks. So his 2.15 ERA first. 0.95 whip, fourth. 0.203 on base percentage is fifth. A 3.04 FIP, that's tenth. Soft contact percentage, 
22.3 is first. Of course, he's first in wins with 21, and his 5.4 Fangraphs war is ninth. I'm not quite sure what the qualification thresholds are for those rate stats, but that's what Doug pulled. It gives you an idea of where Julio is in baseball, and it's pretty clear. Statistically, he's been a top 10 pitcher in the game for about a year. I buy that. Honestly, I buy that. Given that Jacob deGrom has been injured for most of that time, Clayton Kershaw too, now Bueller, sure, among healthy pitchers, I'm comfortable calling Julio Urias one of the 10 best in the game. But an ace, if Clayton Kershaw isn't starting game one of any series in the near future and Matt Walker Bueller is on the IL and Max Scherzer is wearing a Mets uniform, there's a pathway for Urias to be that guy. I just happen to be of the opinion that a pitcher has to go through the gauntlet to get there. It's not simply a title that can be handed to him by default. Knowing that maybe Tony Gonsolin, maybe Tyler Anderson, Andrew Heaney, maybe Kershaw comes back healthy, maybe even Dustin May does something between now and the end of the season to earn that Game 1 postseason starter assignment, Pitches the Dodgers to a series victory. Comes back the next series, does it again. All of these things are possible. But right now, Arias has the clearest pathway to that title. Sure. I'm just not ready to give it to him yet. Now, we recorded this just prior to the Dodgers playing the Brewers on Monday. So by the time you've heard this, you will know that the Dodgers losing streak ended at 1. With that out of the way, let's bring in Sean. Sean Green, thanks for hopping back on the pod. Under somewhat less than ideal circumstances, we just found out that Walker Bueller is having season-ending elbow surgery on August 23rd. That's truly all we know, uh, elbow surgery, season over. But uh, just off the top of your head, Sean, hearing that news, what was your reaction? Yeah, I mean, that's, there's not, you know, there's a lot of stars on this lineup, but there's not too many, I think, that are kind of a tougher tougher loss at this point than, than Walker. So it's, it's a tough pill to swallow. I mean, I, I guess there's a couple, a couple silver linings, I think, in the situation is that Dodgers have such a huge lead and are going to win the division um, without any trouble at all. And I think the other silver lining is that they're, they're such a deep team and have so many strengths that um, they can afford some significant blows to to, you know, their lineup and, and their rotation. So, um, you know, obviously wish him all the best and a speedy recovery. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think Dodgers are still situated really well, not as not as well as they were before this news came out, but it's still, uh, it's still they're still the team to beat. It's a 16-game lead in the National League West standings. It's 99.9% odds of making the playoffs. I, I like their chances okay. If any team can afford to lose a pitcher of Walker Bueller's caliber, I gotta say it's this one. Uh, but it's an interesting trajectory just to see how the Dodgers have gotten there because they haven't had Bueller since June 10th. Uh, they've had Kershaw on the disabled list, injured list rather, for two separate stints. He'll probably end up playing maybe a little more than half of the season. And what you're left with is a rotation of guys who have really never been the number one starter and 
certainly they've been more than good. Uh, Tony Gonsolin, uh, Tyler Anderson in particular, but Julio Arias has had another excellent season. Uh, Andrew Heaney has been really good when he's healthy. Dustin May is coming back pretty soon. There's some talent there, but there isn't really the number one starter who has performed in playoffs past. Sean, from your experience, when you're going into the playoffs without a clear number one, how much of a difference does that make, and, and could that be a hindrance even for a team as good as these Dodgers? Yeah, I mean, I, I, in the ideal world, you you do have those that number one anchor. Even like a team like the Mets have, you know, basically two number ones, and the Dodgers yeah. had that before Kershaw and Bueller went down. But they're their number twos are – that's the thing is the rest of the rotation, they really are number twos. And you get in the postseason, and particularly the, the Dodgers' approach is they, you know, starter will go five innings and they go matchup. So, you know, it's not like you need – it's not like when the the Diamondbacks won the World Series in 2001 and they had basically um, Randy, Kurt, and Miguel Batista who were – who was kind of the unsung mm-hmm. – guy in the rotation, the guy that I least like to face of the three. Um, so they had those three guys and they would go, you know, eight, nine innings and, and that was it. And that's one way to win. But the other way to win is to have a great bullpen and, you know, very solid starting pitching. And that's where the Dodgers look to be headed going into the postseason. And and you could, you can win with that. When I was with the Mets in 2007, or sorry, 2006 was the year we should have gone to the world series. The Cardinals ended up, beating us in game seven when, when Yachty Molina hit that home run in the eighth or ninth inning, I think the eighth inning. But we had El Duque got hurt, I think, in the getting warm, ready to warm up against the Dodgers for the first, um, the divisional series. And Tom Glavin, uh, I believe, was, I think he was hurt as well, maybe. So we, we kind of mixed and matched and, and went with guys that were young, and, and you know, they did a great job. So you just never know in the postseason. The whole goal really is is to get there and, and take your chances and and they're going to get there and they're going to throw a great lineup you know at the whoever they're facing and and they're going to have guys that should get them through five innings um, with solid starts um, on a regular basis. The contemporary example that I and many I think like to cite is the 2015 Kansas City Royals who won the World Series with. I'm just going to rattle off some names here. Edinson Volquez, Jordano Ventura, Jeremy Guthrie, Danny Duffy, Chris Young, and Johnny Cueto were their top six starting pitchers. And there's really no star in that group, but they had just a ferocious back end of the bullpen. They found a way to score runs. Um, Deep lineup, if not star-studded. Lots of ways to get it done. The one thing about Bueller, though, that I think I'm going to remember for a while is he still has the only complete game thrown by a Dodger pitcher this season. And it was that shutout back in Arizona. Just a little reminder of what Walker Bueller can be if he's healthy. The guy who we've seen in the past, but really had no assurance of seeing this year, even before this announcement, um, just given sort of the ambiguity of his rehab. But now it's now it's official and you just, you like to see the stars on the field. I think that's that's the hardest thing to swallow today. Yeah, no, for sure. It's you always want to have, you know, the guys that are are you're used to relying on in, in the key situations. And Walker's he's quickly became one of those guys as a really young player. Now he's a veteran, and 
from the second I saw him throw a pitch, it's like, wow, this, this guy's different. He's electric. He kind of reminds you of, um, you know, smaller in stature. He kind of reminded me of like Pedro Martinez, which is a, you know, that's hard shoes to fill, but a guy like Pedro or a guy like, um, Roy Oswald, like some of the smaller guys that the ball just jumps out of their hand. And, and that's, that's kind of stuff he has. And he also has such a strong presence on the mound. And I think in the, the key games to have that kind of, you know, that oral Hershiser bulldog mentality image you know, figure out there is, is, uh, aside from how he executes it, it is something that the other team, you know, kind of sets the tone, not only for that game, but also for the series, like to have that presence on the mound and, and they're not going to have it, but at the same time, they've, they've got guys who, are dominating the league um, as starting pitchers. And you know, there's no reason to think that come October, they're going to all of a sudden, you know, forget how to get guys out. I mean, they, they've been doing it all year. And I think they're going to be in, I think they're going to be in great shape. 12 wins in a row recently. That streak was snapped on Sunday. And as we speak now, Dodgers are heading into Milwaukee with a chance to extend that streak. And, and they've got the Marlins at home starting Friday. So chance to pick up a few more wins here as the schedule progresses. The interesting thing to me is that the Dodgers, I don't know, I'm not sure off the top of my head what the record is for clinching a playoff berth, uh, but but the Dodgers, they're going to clinch a 500 record here this week, probably <laughs> the way things are going. Um, and, and while I don't think they're going to lose out over the final six or seven weeks of the season, it does somewhat invite a question of like, well, what do you, what do, you do when you sew up a playoff berth that early? Now, Sean, I happen to be going back over your uh, career and 2004. That Dodger team was seven and a half games up on August 11th. Uh, you guys beat the Cincinnati Reds that day, 11 to one. Things were looking great, and then things got interesting. You, uh, you won the division, but only by two games. Of course, the playoffs ended pretty early that year. Tell me about that season. Was there any? I don't know if complacency is the right word, but what was sort of the sense when you guys jumped out to that big lead in the middle of August? Yeah, I, I don't think it was, it was complacency. We had, you know, uh, we were in first place, and at the trade deadline, we just made, you know, unprecedented moves for a first-place team. And we we traded 25%, you know, six out of the 25 guys, so 24% wow. of the of the team at the trade deadline. So that was like a huge disruption and we were playing really well, as you noted. Um, so, you know, I think it started to catch up with us. Some of the moves like we, we traded our all-star catcher, Paula Duca. We traded, I was playing first. So our right fielder was in, um, Juan Encarnacion. He was a solid outfielder. We traded him. We traded Dave Roberts to Boston. The year he stole that infamous base for the Red Sox um, to get to the world series. Um, we traded, Guillermo Moda, who was our setup man, we traded our left-hand specialist, Tom Martin. So it was it was a really significant shift in the team. And, and the Dodgers actually kind of went the other direction this year. They didn't make any like, earth-shattering moves. You know, they added you know guys like Joey Gallo and stuff. But um, I think having the team be pretty consistent throughout the year, and you know, obviously there's been guys moving up and down and. You know, some pleasant surprises like Trace Thompson coming in and doing well. It's I, I think it's these guys have built such a, a strong foundation, and 
they've all been there winning throughout the year and have that, you know, they all experience the momentum together. So I, I think it's, it's a totally different scenario than, than what I went through, but they're, look, they're, they're a great team and they've been winning without Walker. So, I mean, it's, it's the type of thing where, yeah, I mean, it's a punch to the gut to lose them, but at the same time, they still have a tremendous team. They really do, and there are going to be some hard decisions come playoff time. Uh, Trace Thompson is a guy who probably would be starting on a lot of teams in the league, you figure, even though, ironically, he was given up on twice, once by the Padres and, and once by the Tigers since the regular season began. But what he's done with the Dodgers has been very impressive, as you noted, and uh, I don't envy the front office for having to make those those postseason roster decisions uh, when they have to ultimately cut down to 26. But, I mean, just to prove my point, this is what we're thinking about here on August 15th is, is postseason roster decisions. You know, we talked about this a little bit, but just the number of different ways to win in the playoffs. Obviously, it helps to have an ace or two, but you've seen some teams win different ways. And, you know, I don't know if there's a formula I don't know if there are certain things that every team needs to win in the playoffs, but just from your experience, Sean, you know, can the Dodgers be a team uh, that just subdues everybody with offense and, and lets the starters go as deep as they can? Yes, it's possible, but you can't rely throughout the month on a team, like just putting up a bunch of runs because, you know, and once you get to the playoffs, you're facing the best teams, right? So you're facing the best pitching, and usually the best pitching is going to get the better of the best hitting. Um, but I, I do think some of the Dodgers have shifted towards this, particularly the last couple of years, but really this year with the addition of Freddie Freeman, is they've added some guys that are just all around solid hitters, guys like, like Trey Turner, Mookie Betts. Like the last three years, they've added those three guys. And I think, you know, that's been something that's going to help them so much. It helps them during the regular season, but I think it helps even more in the postseason. And, you know, putting aside the fact that both uh, Trey Turner and Freddie have won World Series in the last last couple years with that experience, they also are just – they're just solid all-around players. And Mookie, too. The three of them have won World Series, and then they come to the Dodgers. So they have guys that are going to – you know, hit for average, get on base, you know, in the key situations, they'll be able to move a runner over, even though that's really not part of the game style of play anymore. They're going to do, they're, they're veteran guys that can handle the bat and do those types of things. And then you had some of the other guys that the Dodgers have had for a while, like Justin Turner, you know, he is the type of guy in the postseason that you, know, you feel really comfortable with in key situations, whether you need to move a runner over, hit a fly ball to get a runner in. Like he's, he's not going to strike out you know, often in those key situations. So I, I like the I like the shift in their lineup from being just straight, you know, home run, strikeout, walk to having guys that you know are going to be able to handle the tougher pitchers that they're going to face in the postseason. You bring up an interesting point that I hadn't considered, which is that the Dodgers have players on their roster who have won each of the last three World Series. Last year, Freddie Freeman, 2020, obviously the Dodgers won. 2019, Trey Turner. 2018, Mookie Betts won with the Red Sox again. Before, and yeah. 20, 2017, the Dodgers were in the World Series that year. They didn't win, but, man, experience is not something this roster is lacking for. And 
as you noted, Sean, that can make a big difference. Yeah, no, it, it really can. And that's, you know, I, I do think, so the, the team that everyone's, you know, worried about, I think, and really teams that people are, are worried about right now, I think if you're, especially Dodger fans are looking at the two New York teams more than anyone else. And I think the Mets are actually scarier than the Yankees. The Mets are scary. I mean, if Scherzer and DeGrom are both healthy and throwing well, that's, that's tough. Um, but if you're going to beat those guys, I would, I would take my chances with Freeman, Betts, and Trey Turner, and Justin Turner, and, and you know, think, you know Muncy's getting hotter. So I, I would take my chances with those types of hitters. I wouldn't – and the Yankee lineup, there are some, some unbelievable hitters in there, but they do rely more on the home run, I think, than, than a team like the Dodgers. For sure. And, and that's even after Joey Gallo uh, has been traded. We just coincidentally, we got the playoff schedule today. And it's interesting to note that in order to accommodate the new format with an additional round for the wildcard teams, there are no travel days <laughs> during the NLCS. And uh, I don't envy anybody flying from L.A. to New York and back if indeed that is the matchup in the NLCS. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the the good news on that type of thing is that, you know, the starting pitchers will fly ahead, so they'll be rested. But, you know, as a as an everyday player, um, you you get used to dealing with those types of, you know, quick turnarounds. I remember flying in one time from Seattle. When I was playing for the Blue Jays, we flew from Seattle to an extra inning game, and then we, we played the next day in Boston, and we got in after the extra innings with the time change in the flight, we got in around like eight or nine in the morning and had to play that night. And, and you, you figure it out, especially in the playoffs, you have so much adrenaline. Um, it's, it's kind of like the day, the next day that you, you sort of crash a little bit, but um, yeah, no, it's going to be, it's going to be a different, definitely a different story. I think the days off actually matter. Uh, the lack of days off are going to matter more in rotation. So that the mm-hmm. rotations that have like two guys that they rely on are going to be, in bigger trouble because they're not going to maybe get that extra start for their, their number one or their number two, or might, they might only get one of those guys to pitch twice in the series if it goes seven games. Yeah. That, that number four guy suddenly looms large potentially. Exactly. Well, uh, while you were talking, I had a chance to go back and look at the 2016 World Series rosters, and nobody uh, will be on the Dodgers this year who played in 2016. So, uh, quick, quick real-time fact check there, but uh, still pretty impressive that uh, each of the last five World Series are represented here on this roster. Um, and I don't think it's I, look. I don't think we're being uh, too much of homers here to to say that this is something that Dodgers and their fans can still look forward to. Um, this is a team that's built to win in the postseason with or without Walker Bueller. Um, it's just a matter of when they clinch, uh, not if. Exactly. Yeah, and they have they have you know studs in the minor leagues too, I and mean, they've a couple of them up during the year. But I mean, how many how many World Series have we seen a guy get called up in August? And then like the looking back to the Angels in 2002, and they brought up you know a clo- uh, closer slash setup man Rodriguez uh, K Rod right. He came yep. in and was absolutely dominant, and they wouldn't have won the World Series without him. So um, it does happen, and not not infrequently, where there's a guy that you know that that comes up and just deals. And sometimes, you know, having a guy like that, where 
the opposing teams haven't seen seen them yet is an additional advantage because then you're you're you know you've got a playoff game against like, how often do you have you know an NLCS game where there's a rookie starting you have you don't you've never seen him before so usually you want it in a bat or two before you really start to okay I, I get what this guy's trying to do and meanwhile you know five six innings no runs and that's kind of that's it's pretty common for something like that um, to happen in in a postseason when you have an injury like like Walker or someone else and you bring up a guy so. Hopefully something like that can happen with Miller or someone. Yeah, could be. The uh, the other team has to hope their scouts did their homework in that case, I would assume. But scouts, um, but scouts it's, it's, scouting is totally different than seeing a guy in the box. Like you can have all the information mm-hmm. you want, but it's it's standing in there and like, okay, this is what his curveball looks like. This is what he – you can know mm-hmm. – you have a good idea what he wants to throw in different counts and things like that. Like That's all well documented, but just the visual, you know – you come back and you, you sort of put him in a bucket. Okay, this this guy's stuff reminds me of you know Walker Bueller's, or this guy reminds me of kind of his ball moves, kind of like Urias' ball. Like you, you, that's sort of how you talk in the dugout. And but that's it's after an bat or two. We'll see if that's a factor again this season. Um, good insight, John. This is this is why this is why we talk. I not <laughs> <so bad. laughs> uh, but seriously though, thank you, thank you for joining me on the pod this week. Always a pleasure to have you. Yeah, I always enjoy talking with you and talking talking Dodger baseball. All right, thank you to Sean once again for hopping on the podcast. Just to follow up on one thing from our last episode, Sean and I were talking about the San Diego Padres possibly getting Fernando Tatis Jr. back for the stretch run. He was suspended. 80 games for testing positive for Clostebol, a steroid, a PED, and he will not be back this year. To quote Jerry Seinfeld, that's a shame. Talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.